Hello, and welcome to the DC Fempreneur Podcast, a community to connect local DC area female entrepreneurs by providing support through networking, collaboration, and professional events. Collectively, we seek to combine and share skills, knowledge, and expertise to help impact and grow their businesses to make them more purposeful, profitable, and sustainable. Hi, it's Lisa Shapiro, founder of DC Fempreneur, and today I am super excited to welcome Julia Westfall, CEO and founder of Hair Hub DC, a professional work and meeting space for women business owners in the Washington DC area. Julia's passion for supporting business owners comes for her from her 20 plus years working with small businesses, helping them manage their financial and HR needs. She is focused on building a vibrant community and network of women in business that fosters collaboration and supports the launch and growth of their businesses. Through her work as the Hera Hub DC founder, she supports organizations focused on entrepreneurship and women in business. So as you can tell, we have a lot in common in terms of company mission and philosophy. So I am super excited to have Julia and welcome her today. Hi, Julia. So thank you for being here today. I am super excited to learn more about your entrepreneurial journey. I think we all have a story to tell mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, a lifetime of being in corporate and, all, you know, how we spent our life getting to where we are. So um, tell me a little bit more about your background and where you came from and um, what led you to open hair up. Well, thanks so much for having me today. Very I'm very excited to do this. It's always fun to kind of uh, share experiences and stories with uh, different communities and, and different people. So I appreciate you reaching out. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, I started out um, many years ago, long career, because I'm having my 65th birthday. Oh, my heavens. Time. So I've had a lot of experience, but I actually started out in tech. I started out at working for IBM and Wang Laboratories, who was a, uh, most people don't are not even familiar with it now, but it was a Fortune 500 tech company years ago, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Okay. Um, it was really the where word processing started. Um, they were one of the first um, uh, companies to really embrace the, when we're processing that, those things were so ominous. And then they you know, started a mini computer division and did a lot of other different things. But I started um, with them after I worked for IBM for three years. And um, I was working in, the, in, in Atlanta, Georgia for okay. them. And then um, came up to DC uh, in order to open the first PC retail store for any computer manufacturer at the time. Wow, so this okay. is when PCs first came out. Wow! So uh, you know, so being almost sixty-five, I have that that long history of and seeing the evolution of technology, which has been really fun to think that you know that I was started out yeah. um, with an inventory yeah. in a store with. Um, you know, with PCs and the, when they first came out. So, um, and you can see that some of those PCs probably in, in the Smithsonian, <laughs> because they're big and clunky, but it, but it was, um, it was an amazing time. Yeah. It was one of the first times I really felt like, wow, I really like doing my own thing because it was really an entrepreneurial venture. Absolutely. Within the comfort of a fortune 500 company. And so that was, um, so that was really great because I had all the resources and support, um, but we were cutting edge. First one to open, doing things that other no other computer manufacturer was doing. The only other place that had anything for sale that was computing related were uh, Radio Shack. So, gotcha. so that so I learned about from my about myself with that whole thing is that I I don't mind being first. I actually enjoy you know, trying new things and, and being out there with something uh, new in, in the market and, and trying to navigate that. So I really started out in tech and then the tech boom burst. And um, after, as a manager doing rounds and rounds of layoffs, I just was like, okay, I'm ready to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, 
get out of this tech world for now. And so were people not buying their computers in stores? They were buying them suddenly. I mean, how were they? Well, that was just the PC computer PC okay. part. You know, the mini computers and large computer systems and things like that were still direct sales to oh, computers. But what happened is really IBM started to dominate the technology market oh, yeah. um, in a lot of different ways. And it, it became real clear that if you didn't get on to the to being IBM compatible in a, you know, in so many different ways. It wasn't just PC, but it was more um, communication protocols and things like that, Um, that you weren't, it's, you know, it's like a beta tape versus a VHS tape. (laughs) So that whole thing. So ultimately, you know, that in the eighties, we, that was a a big um, uh, bubble that burst. And, um, and so I took that time to kind of um, stop working. I'd recently gotten married and I just thought, well, you know, I'll find something different. And then what I ended up starting to do then, because I had developed all of this skill set around working with businesses, because I uh, worked with small business, small businesses selling basically accounting packages and things like that. I found that I had learned a tremendous amount about what it took, you know, to, um, you know, from that side of the house to keep a business going and know what, how it's successful and things like that. And I worked with, you know, a lot of small businesses selling them that software and that sort of thing. So I just kind of fell into helping some um, small businesses in the area with their bookkeeping. I thought, oh, this is easy, something I can do. And then what happened is it really evolved into having multiple clients and different kinds of industries. And um, since I had more of a bigger business background too, Mm -hmm. um, I found that I was able to help these small business owners with a lot of their cash flow and flow and how do you analyze your balance sheet and profit, your P&L statement to make sure that you're, you know, profitable and, and, um, hmm, you, you've started to add some new employees and, but you don't really have, you know, a, uh, an employee man handbook or you, you, you know, haven't really figured out a job description. So, um, that's what I did with a lot of my clients, which was just great because it was easy for me. It was things that yeah. I had learned through my, through my corporate career um, that I was excited to be able to share with them because it made a big difference for these small businesses and their ability to run their businesses and and onboard their employees and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just starting a a new LLC myself, I have so many questions. I probably have put the cart before the horse in many ways. Mm -hmm. And I will have to like backtrack, like, you know, I'm hiring a CPA and just now figuring out, okay, what do I claim for, as myself versus right. the LLC? Right. Like all of this stuff, I do yeah. not even know. Yeah. And, you know, a DC Fempreneur is four months old and I'm still, you know, getting into the throes of a business plan. Like I haven't even looked at that financial yeah. stuff yet. Yeah. And, so, it's a, and I think it, you're very typical. Most people, most people don't get into uh, business, don't go into business in order to run their financials and do their HR work. Yeah. <laughs> all that yeah. stuff. They're really interested on focusing on delivering their services or their product or whatever that is and whatever they're an expert in, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever their passion is. So um, I, and that's what I really enjoyed for the longest time was really um, enabling and helping these businesses I worked with yeah. um, find ways to do that and be comfortable and confident that, that their business was in good health. And if it wasn't, that I was going to be there to let them know. Wow. Yeah. And um, that we could work on it together. And so, you know, I have, I have so you were clients. like a mentor to like every yeah. business. Well, yeah. It's fantastic. And, and I didn't really think about it that way at the time. I just loved what I was doing. I loved working with a lot of different types of companies, like architectural firms, structural engineering firm, a retail florist, um, a caterer, uh, you know, I had all of these different mm-hmm. um, types of businesses that I worked with. And I, I love the, the the energy around doing a lot of different things and learn, still learning because I each time I went in, I knew the basics of what I needed to do financially. Yeah. But, you know, every business has different revenue streams. You know, the people are different. Uh, so that's what I really enjoyed. And, you know, and during that time, there were some times where I took on like a director of finance role at a bigger firm, a bigger company. I did that a couple of different times, especially, uh, you know, before, right before I bought Hera Hub, I was director of finance and HR for a marketing communications company that was okay. about, you know, two and a half to $3 million in annual revenues. So I worked with companies that were 
you know, doing $150,000 a year mm -hmm. and businesses that were three to three and a half million dollars. So were you very there. intentional? Like, did you say, okay, if I'm going to want to create a brick and mortar business, I'm going to need to create, I need to uh, have capital to do that. And so in order to do that, I'm going to go back to work and find a high paying position for a little while, save up and then do it. Or no. was it just, no, it was <laughs> a true yeah, entrepreneur. It, yeah, I just, well, it wasn't like, it, you know, I just, you know, I'm always the type of person and I know that it sometimes it served me well, sometimes not. Yes. But I really love to just leave the doors open to opportunity. You know, you never really know where um, where some place is going to take you. Mm -hmm. And um, after, especially later in my career, after I knew that I had certain skills and that I could learn, even if I didn't know something, you know, you can still learn how to do it. Absolutely. And so that that confidence level then gave me, the, you know, uh, the ability to just say, hey, if this is a good opportunity for me now and my family now, because, you know, I had twin daughters and you know, and I really wanted to spend time with them, but not exclusively. I didn't want to be 100 percent home because right. I knew that that was not also not right for me. So I worked out this great part time schedule. And, you know, I, I also even was on the founding board and worked as a director of finance for a, a public charter school for okay. five years. So um, I found that. All, I, and so when I reached, you know, the I won't say the end of my career, obviously, because I've got a whole new thing going now. But. Um, you know, when I was hitting, getting ready to hit my 60s, I, you know, I was like, wow, is this all I want to do yeah. is to work for someone else? I mean, I had been an independent contractor, but for me, it's really a different thing to really have a brick and mortar and, uh, you know, and a bigger business. And that's truly, you know, an entrepreneurial venture. And so um, I had been just trying to figure out what I want to do. And then I read an article about Hera Hub in the New York Times and Felina Hansen, who's our founder, who has an amazing story of resilience and perseverance and, um, you know, entrepreneurship. And she's just an incredible uh, role model and mentor and yeah. inspirational leader. Um, and I, I heard about what she was doing in San Diego and I thought, wow, you know, maybe this is a great way. Maybe this is what I've been preparing for. Mm -hmm. my, you know, my whole career of working with all these small companies uh, to really support women-owned businesses. Because when I, you know, once I, and, and actually the marketing communications companies that I had worked for were both women-owned. Well, so, yeah. so it was really, you know, it was just kind of a natural sort of follow-on. And so that was pretty um uh, you know, I, then when I read about her, and it was actually in December of 2013, I just sent my husband a link to the to the article and said, I think I found my next thing. Oh, my gosh. How did he respond? Well, it was great. It was great. You know, and he was like, whatever you want to do, you That's know, awesome. was, well, you know, I'll help you try to make it happen. And mm -hmm. so I reached out to Felina in January because I thought I need to kind of sleep on this a little bit to see. And then once I met her and went out to San Diego, I was I was sold. And then in April, I signed uh, the agreement. And so then, April of 2014. Yeah. And then it took over a year to actually find my space, get it built out, negotiated and all that stuff. But um, we moved in in May of 2015. Um, what was the so, response of the community when you when you did this? I mean, you were. Yes, you had supported all of these small businesses in the past, but this is a different concept. Like there was nothing like that around here, right? Especially four years ago. Yeah, there were there. I mean, now there are a lot more co-working spaces, and and um, there were co co-working spaces here in DC, but it it was even that the climate wasn't the same, right? And so, um, so it was really interesting, and we had a great launch party, and um, a lot of people were really excited, and there were a lot of you know a lot of members that signed up right in the very beginning that, and I had some founding members that are still now still members. So um, that joined before I even opened my doors. I had, you know, a, a, a executive suite space down the street that I rented their conference room and just had, yeah. you know, kind of co-working days and business boosters and things like that, uh, just to try to, um, to really get the word out there. Um, and I, you know, what, you know, and since I did buy the license for, the model was already created in San Diego. You know, sometimes you think, oh, well, well, that's easy. That's easier. And it was a lot easier because sure. I did have people say, oh, why don't you just do it on your own? I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'm 60. I don't have time to do it on my own. It'll take me forever to figure all this stuff out. And I like the model and I like what she's doing out there. And I want to be part of a bigger community. So yeah, that's why, why, why yeah. you the wheel, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what I did discover 
is although Hera Hub is very well known in San Diego County and Felina Hansen was had been very active even before that in the uh, women's business owner community out there through Ladies Who Launch and all of these other things. It wasn't until, um, you know, I, there there was no brand awareness here at all for Hera Hub. So, right. yeah. you know, it, it took it's taken a long time for me to now go to events and places like that. And I say, oh, I'm, you know. I own Hera Hub and they go, Oh, I've heard of you. I mean, they may not have been here yeah. or whatever, but yeah. I, uh, that always now makes me like, you know, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, I'm even if people haven't been to the space or whatever, that they know that we're here. Yeah. I mean, I had a call with Felina yeah. on the phone and yeah. she said, I could have never come to DC and open up a location there. Yeah. And she said that unless you have a built-in network mm-hmm. or you have a support system that, uh, it could be a great idea, but, um, because of the real estate costs, yeah, like right out of yeah. the gate, you you kind of have to, like you said, like you have to have um, like a built-in yeah community yeah. almost to be able to support you. Because and that was another thing I was going to ask you is how did you um, decide on the space? Like how did you did you have a checklist of oh it has to have this or yeah we kind of had some things. And Felina had some suggestions and recommendations, but what we found is the market here in DC, yeah. real estate market is very different which is, it can be, you know, was expected. Um, but we knew we wanted first floor. We knew we wanted, um, you know, lots of light and natural light mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and so, and and I felt like I needed a place that was close by where I lived. Where do you live? Yeah, well, it's about half a mile from here. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> but because I knew it was going to be here early in the morning and I was at evening events and I'd be here on the weekends. Sure. And so it would be thought, a new life. Yeah. And I thought if I have to, if I have to add 45 minutes each way to a commute, you know, that that would make it a lot more difficult. And I also knew that the right where we are on Wisconsin Avenue, uh, you know, it's easy to find parking really. It's, I have a lot of members that live close by some of them walk. So I also, at the time there really wasn't any co-working there weren't oh, co-working yeah. spaces up here. So um, that was a new opportunity. And I wanted to be really where people, more where people lived mm-hmm. rather than, you know, so they still had to commute downtown because a lot of times that's why the women in my community started their own businesses is they didn't want to continue to go downtown on right. a regular basis. Yeah. They had other things in their life that they wanted to do. They wanted greater convenience so, um, so that it kind of made sense to, to actually. So you're saying your here. location has more of a residential feel than a busy commercial office park kind of area. Yeah. Yeah. I would say because, you know, we're right. I mean, certainly we're in the commercial space here on Wisconsin Avenue, but you know, with our, you know, you go one block, you go one, go one block any way around yeah. it's residential, yeah. which is great. So, cause a lot of my members walk here or they drive five minutes or something like that. So um, it makes it really convenient to say, oh, I'm going to go in and get two hours worth of work done this morning before my client meeting, okay. yeah. you know, things like that, which I really, um, which was important because I think that um, my members, I, you know, that's one of the good benefits that we have is that there was a lot, you know, just the flexibility of using the space because everybody uses a space differently. Yeah. You know, and even the four office spaces that we have. You know, a lot of my members travel. They travel internationally. They, you know, for work. And um, is there yeah. a membership level that Hera Hub offers that allows someone to essentially go to another location of Hera Hub? Oh, sure. Sure. You can do that with any of them. I mean, I've had people from San Diego come here um, and just had another woman last week from Phoenix, from a Phoenix location. Yeah. Come and work for a few hours because she was here for a conference. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that's, so that's fairly, you know, and that's the benefit now of, you know, as her hub expands, um, you know, really to, to have people feel like when they walk into a space, like they're, they're part of that community. Yeah. Yeah. Really she great. said she was in the process mm-hmm. of like working with three other individuals mm-hmm. that went through the exact same process you yeah. did about the market research and looking for real estate space. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, a really great model. And I think if it has always been part of, I think, my long term plan mm-hmm. in my own way to create something like this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm 42. Mm-hmm. So maybe I will do it in my 60s. <laughs> Hopefully not. I'm sure by the time I even come up with a capital to do that. It's another thing I really wanted to talk to you mm-hmm. about is uh I got really excited about hearing about the um, the hair hub pitch competition. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think I'm too chicken 
to do something like that. And I don't think I have enough uh, skills under my belt. I think I would need a a mentor, Mm -hmm. somebody like you that has um, worked with a lot of people to say, okay, Lisa, you're going to enter a pitch competition like that. You need to well them with this and that you need these components. Like I went through the, you know, the listing of the companies that were competing and oh my gosh, some of these ideas blew me away. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and this was the second year that we that we've done the hero fast pitch, and yeah, every time at the end of the event, I can't tell you how many people come up and say, "Okay, I've been to a ton of pitch events, but the quality of every single presenter was so high that it's that was extraordinary." Yeah. I mean, with with yeah, I, and the reason is, is a lot of these women are already have revenue, they're driving revenue for their companies already. You know, and I think that's the thing about women is you, you know, they're really pushing themselves to mm-hmm. be really, uh, um, I won't say perfect because that's not the case, but they work hard yeah. and they really uh, push themselves and they have some great business ideas and they have great, um, you know, a lot of times they're, they take coaching really well and they go through programs and they're well and they're thoughtful and they, you know, but they're still focused on building uh, a business that they're passionate about. Yeah. And I think um, that that really comes through. We had 30 more applications this year than we had last year. We went from 53 applications last year to 83 applications this year. And there were very few that I even looked at and said uh, that, well, this, you know, this isn't kind of a good concept necessarily or whatever. And, um, and actually we had a jury, you know, I didn't, um, make any decision about who actually was going to pitch. Sure. We had a group of experts Mm -hmm. that look at these things all the time and the feedback from a lot of them is like, wow, there are a lot of great applications in this group and it's really hard to pick who's going to pitch. Yeah. So, and that's why we decided to do eight businesses that are growth stage and four that are early stage, because um, when we did it last year, um, you know, some of the, some of the people that are just getting started mm-hmm. when they're pitching against somebody who's really experienced and their business is, you know, further along down the pike um, and they're pitching at the same level, they don't get the same opportunity to sure. really yeah. pitch against, you know, you don't want to really put apples and oranges together necessarily. In the basket. And, yeah. and we were, we're already kind of doing that a little bit because, you know, we had tech companies, we had product companies, we had, you know, you know, um, a wearable in device and all of these other things. So that's already hard yeah. for the judges to go, wow, this is a really great product company. This is a really great tech company, you know, where, you know, this is a really great, you know, business supporting women financially. So how do you, you know, there isn't really a great way to compare, but that's a, we wanted to provide all these different types of companies because some an opportunity because sometimes they don't get that in some of the other pitch events sure. that are more you know you have to be tech focused because um, because you know the investor community is really looking for businesses that are ten x hundred x and that sort of thing so um, that you know but the winner also gets an, is also nominated to pitch in an event and it will be uh, in September in San Diego yeah. and that selection will be made probably in August timeframe. So very excited about that. And, um, and about the, about the sponsors that we had that really put the, put in some decent, some great cash, you know, we had yeah. $10,000 cash plus a lot of great in-kind prices and awards. And, um, so it was very exciting. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that, um, a little bit of financing can go a long way for yeah. A, yeah. a new startup. I mean, it's, it's, I've been conducting uh, market research, um, for the, so I mean, we have founding members just yeah. like Hera. Yeah. Um, so the founding members of DC Fempreneur are in various stages of mm-hmm. their business, but I'm doing market research so I can understand the needs of um, a female business owner, really almost in the growth stage, I think, as you would call mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm learning is that financing is a big, big mm-hmm. interest um, other than what everyone's talking about is marketing, like how to market themselves. Right. Um, which is interesting to me because that comes most naturally to me. But what I'm finding is that when somebody starts a business from their passion mm-hmm. and marketing isn't what they've done with their life, that seems to be the hardest thing for them. Yeah. Um, 
but the easiest for me, but I think that it's interesting to hear uh, all these different things that women say is what they're really needing to do next or what they need the most support in. And so for a startup company or a woman um, who's just kind of getting her idea off the ground, how does she go about looking for someone to help her finance her company? I mean, should she go to a bank and get a loan? Like, well, it just, it, you know what? It really depends. Yeah. Because um, it depends on what kind of business it is, you know? Um, and I, the, the whole thing about financing your business is really that you want that a lot of times people think is pitch competitions, venture investment, angel investment are, are the sexy part. Yes. That they, you know, the, those are the companies you hear about. Those are the things that you see in the press. Those are things. But really, to give away part of your company mm-hmm. to someone else at any stage, and even investors will tell you this, you have, you should wait until the last possible moment to do that. Yeah. When nothing else other than a big influx of cash will help take you to the next level. Because it's an, the owner's best interest to retain ownership of their company. Uh, for businesses that are service-based, professional service-based companies, which are most of what women business owners have is they have a service-based business, whether they're a consultant, you know, um, in, in a specific, like, uh, you know, technology even, or mm-hmm. a, a lot of coaches. You know, yeah, yeah, and a lot of coaches. But, you know, even if you're like an environmental consultant, you know, um, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily the type of business that an investor is going to look at and say that's scalable in 10 X, hundred X. So that I'm willing to invest money in. So the best alternative really for people with that, if you've got cash flow issues and you, or you need to buy some equipment or something in order to get your business started is really working with the bank, you know, really trying to find, um, you know, the SBA um, is a great way that if you go through their program um, that you can uh, and you develop your business plan and you show that you have a, a great business concept, you know, you can get an SBA backed loan. I mean, you still have to go to a bank and get the loan. Sure. But if the SBA uh, backs it for you, then that means that it de-risks, you know, the loan for the bank. Oh, I see. Because they will be financially So you go to the SBA the first and then the bank? Yeah. So that you so that you can kind of get approved because the SBA isn't going to just back everybody's business right you know so the bank looks at it and says oh yeah. you're, you've already been backed by the sba right so they're more likely to approve it yeah yeah oh, and the sba then takes on some of the responsibility of repayment if you default gotcha. so so there are lots of and, and that's just one example but there are lots of other ways um that's really and, helpful like i i didn't know that yeah and the the um the other thing too is if you have a professional service-based company mm-hmm. People need to think about financing it themselves with revenue from their from contracts or mm-hmm. getting new clients, um, rather than even going and borrowing money. Because even if you borrow money, you got to pay interest. Yeah. So if there is a way that you can launch on the side, mm-hmm. you know, get started so that you can continue to pay your living expenses and save and reserve some for website development or things like that. Um, then, it, then the best thing to do is just go out there and get some customers. And a lot of times we don't think about, about it that way. And so back in January, we did the Mentorship Roadshow, which was a Beacon Grant thing. And it was really about um, sales, you know, and how you can can fund your own business through sales. I mean, that's that's what you hear from everybody. It sounds like it's common sense, but it that is really helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, and I did spend, you know, there was a, a woman who had a great business, a really unique experience. Um, and she had, she came to me just um, through a friend and said, you know, I really, I really need to borrow some money so that I can, so can I just get some advice? I need to borrow some money so I can bring on an employee. Sure. Uh, to help me, so so I need I need the cash in order to be able to pay the payroll. And I said, well, tell me, just tell me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you know, I've got clients that I can't even work with that I'm putting out for six months because I can't deliver all the billable time myself. And so I so I was like, so is this person you're going to be bringing on? Are they going to be client billable? And she said, well, yeah, they are. And I said, 
You don't need anybody to finance. You don't need to go to the bank. You don't need to borrow money because if you price this person's skill, and if you've got six months, people are waiting yeah, people to are work waiting. with you for six months. What if you just shorten the time frame, have her do some of the work for you, mm-hmm. bill her out, she'll pay for herself Absolutely. and add additional revenue into your, so, and she's like, oh my God, I never thought of that. And so those are the, so and that those are the exact conversations I used to have with my clients even, you know, how do we, you know, when you have a professional service-based company, you know, people and your brain are really your inventory. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So how can you think about being as efficient as you can and delivering that? And so that was one of the reasons why I started the launch program that we just wrapped up our first thing with. It's really for women that are leaving from and high achieving women that have had these amazing careers that have, you know, coming out of corporate and coming out of public sector jobs that want to start their own business. And the reason why, because they can't go to a typical incubator. They don't, it doesn't resonate. You know, they're not building a tech MVP. They're not, you know, necessarily creating a social impact company or, you know, those are great programs for people who are, but there wasn't really a place for people who, who wanted to create a professional service-based company. And so I, we started one. I started a program and, uh, you know, and it's been really great because it, it talks about all those things because what you want to do is just shorten the amount of time it takes for somebody to get some clients in the door. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think that's great advice because if somebody is able to go out in the marketplace and really hustle and get clients, obviously they're going to be able to grow their business faster. Mm-hmm. What is your advice for somebody who, you know, they're they're just starting up and they don't have all of these, they don't have six months worth of clients waiting. Like, do you, when you're working with a new um, female entrepreneur, like if you could basically coach them and say, hey, you know, when I was first starting out, I didn't know this and that, but learn from my experience. And I'm telling you, this is what you should do in order to like grow your business or well and, and that's actually what we do in the launch program when we do what we take people through a series of um things that are anywhere and I, I think the initial piece is really and that's what I talk about people um people all the time is who is your customer mm-hmm. really who is your customer because you really can't do anything else well unless you really know who your customer is and I'm always surprised by the number of people that say, well, it's really everybody, or it's really this, or it's really that. And so it's re- it takes, um, and it takes time to really figure out who's my customer. You know, you need to talk to people. You need to, um, uh, you need to explore different alternatives and listen to what people are interested in buying. Now, there are some people that start their professional service-based company as an outgrowth of their what they used to do before, you know, they yeah, were that makes them a sense. web a web designer mm-hmm. for X Y Z company, and then they started out. And a lot of times, it works out well because they can still continue to get contracted work from their prior employer. So they kind of come with a built-in sort of base. Um, and it also depends too if someone is starting a company based upon something they've pre- already been doing because they're going to have, you know, they're going to have credibility in that field. They're going to be networked with people who might be needing those things and that sort of thing. But really still, you really need to define who is your customer role specifically. And that is really sometimes hard for people um, to define. Um, and then, you know, all, all the other things are taken through the process. And I find we find it's really hard for people to price themselves. Oh yeah. That is really hard. And it's hard for them to productize their experience. They say, well, I'm doing, I'm doing this and and I can do anything for my customers, but people don't buy anything. Yeah, They buy a specific product and you can then have to customize it. So we just really help people think about who really is my customer? What is my messaging? What problems are we helping them solve? What is, um, how do I productize my services so that it's easy for me to sell them and easy for my customer to understand what they're buying? Mm-hmm. And then, and how do you actually go through the sales process? How do you write a good proposal? How do you, because a lot of people are very apprehensive. You know, they feel like they're selling themselves, which they are because they're selling their years of experience. 
But for a lot of women, that is a really uncomfortable thing. Yeah. To say, you know, I can, you know, I can help you solve your problems in this area. They know that they can, and they have confidence in their skill and capability. But getting someone else to commit and and come on board with them is really challenging for a lot of people. And it doesn't matter how many degrees they have. It doesn't matter what their experience level is. That is a consistent thing that I see from uh, along the lines. So how do the service-based business essentially price themselves? Do they think about the project in terms of how many hours it would take yeah, them to complete yeah, it and yeah. just work backwards? Well, yeah, there's a lot of, then that's a great way to start. Um, a lot of times people have no idea what to charge for them services. So you have to do your research. You have to see, you know, who else in the market is doing what you're doing, you know, and also combine that with what kind of money you need to make. Yeah. You know, and, and that sort of thing. So, and the other thing that I find is frequently, um, if people are billing things on a project basis, mm-hmm. they don't think about it in terms of how many hours is it taking me to do this project that I've charged my client $1,500 for. And if it takes five hours, that's great. Yeah. If it takes 50 hours, it ain't so great. <laughs> Agreed. And so, and a lot of times people aren't, they say, I said, well, are you tracking your time? And they go, well, I bill by project. I don't need to track my time. And I said, absolutely. You must track your time yeah. because you're basically giving away your brain for free. Yeah. And people won't ask you to give a, to give them a book for free necessarily, or a product, a hard consumer product for free. They're not necessarily expecting that, but they are going to want free advice. So it, you know, those types of things are really important to try to figure out how do you really in this whole process navigate all of those things. And, um, you know, cause I hear all the time too. Oh, well, you know, they keep asking me questions. And then by the time I answer their questions, I've basically given them, you know, $5,000 with a consulting service. Absolutely. And I'm, like, yeah. and I'm like, well, just cause I ask a question doesn't mean you have to answer it. Yeah. The whole pick, can I pick your brain thing? But yeah. That's, that's, you know, and sometimes you want to do generous selling, you know, you want to, expo- you know, have people understand that you, you understand their problem mm-hmm. and that you have the skill set to help them solve their problem. But the thing that you can do is say, well, that's really an excellent question. And I'm glad you asked that because it really tells me one of the areas that I can really help you with. So are there any other questions that you have that I could answer for you when I put my proposal together about how I can help you solve these problems that you're having? So you're not giving away your secret sauce without them contracting you. Right, right. But they understand. And the more questions you ask, then the more they're going to appreciate the fact that you're not coming in there trying to tell them what to do, that you want to understand what the issues are. What would you say to the the type of person that has a service-based business Uh where when they're going in to essentially interview with their potential client, Uh when the client wants a, uh, a marketing plan right up front, like they're like, Oh, well um, bring with you, let's say two sets of, uh, a writing sample and a sample marketing plan, but they want it tailored for that business. Would you say that they're essentially asking for something for free or yes, is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think giving a sample is great. You say, this is what I, this is what I do f- have done for other clients. But the minute you spend time figuring out the details of what would be specific for them, mm-hmm. you're, you're already giving away consulting services. Now, now, of course, you don't want, there is a little bit of that, that if you say that you want to perhaps customize it for their type of business. Sure. So that you're not kind of like, like, well, they're saying, well, this doesn't even totally relate to me. Mm-hmm. But you can also say things like, well, you know, for me to give you, you know, a more uh, specific plan or alternative or agenda for a training session, I really need to do a discovery session. And I charge this amount for the discovery session. And after that session, I will provide you with a document that says this. Yeah. And then if you decide to proceed with me and contract with me to do the rest of that stuff, I will deduct that, you know, the cost of discovery session from my other. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed Mm -hmm. for a Mm -hmm. marketing or PR job and they want a full fledged 
marketing plan, social media strategy plan tailored specifically for their business? Well, because all they what they'll do is they'll just take that and use that. Right. And that's really the strategy. The strategy piece is really the most important piece. Because that that's what that's the meat. I mean, if you're looking at your your rates and what you're charging, mm-hmm. the tactics of going in and scheduling social media, you know, that's, you know, going to suite or whatever it is, you know, that's minimal. But the strategy where you're using your brain and experience to help help them, that's the place we have to be charging the most. Yeah. And so to have confidence to be able to go in and say, let me tell you how I work. I, you know, I, this is what I do with my clients. I do a discovery session that usually takes da, 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 da. At the end of that time, I will, or communications audit or whatever it is, I will produce for you a report that will outline the benefits of the, of, of your next steps. Mm-hmm. And at that time, if you decide you want to contract with me, then I'll include that, you know, your, this cost of discovery and reduce the package that you're doing. But, but if somebody's asking you for strategy up front, mm-hmm. then number one, they don't really understand. They may not even understand that they're asking you for that. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times people, you know, people don't know that that's something that, especially if you're the first person they would have hired, they don't get that. That's what you're, they're really paying for. Right. And the thing is, it's okay to say that in a polite way and say, well, well, for me to produce an individualized customized plan that is the paid services that I offer makes sense you know because you don't and then if they say well we don't want to pay you for your strategy then you're not your customer agreeing they're really not your customer that's really because they're not appreciating you and the value that you bring to the table and I would say that to anybody that and that's really hard when you're first getting started and you feel like wow I just want to get some work in here and you may decide that for the first few, so you can build a portfolio or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that you decide to do that, you know, and that could be, that's okay. But it should be your decision to decide to do it because there's value to you in building your business yeah. versus feeling as though, wow, another time and I have to give my stuff away and then I do it and then they decide not to hire me and then I just get frustrated. Right. And will I ever get out of this cycle? And so... The, the reason why you're in the cycle is because you keep saying yes. If you find a polite and respectful and authentic way to say no or say, this is how I work and script it. We talk a lot. We talked a lot about scripting in, um, you know, in the launch program that we had, you know, so that your response becomes natural. And and then when you go in and you ask that question, mm-hmm. then you're not taken by surprise. So is the launch program like mm-hmm. part of when you become a member or is it in addition or, or anyone can do yeah, launch anyone can do the launch program. And it is, we, we just started it. Um, and you don't have to be a member to participate. Um, a lot of it is based upon my experience working with my members mm-hmm. and helping them with their businesses. Um, a lot of it is um, based upon my experience prior, you know. Um, so and then I have a co-lead. Um, which is a gentleman who's had a lot of startup um, experience. He's a Halcyon fellow. He's done a lot of, he's had several businesses he started himself and has done a lot of things. So he gets the best practices of, um, of customer discovery and how, you know, and all of that type of stuff. So we kind of blend the things together in order to make it more uh, like a little bit different um, sort of thing. So, um, because there are certain best practices that are really important to know that people with professional service-based companies can take advantage of, right? You know about putting together the proposals and and sales. I mean, that's just really yeah. I important. think it's the hardest part. I think about um, being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is not knowing what you need to know, uh-huh. and you have to go through so many you know trial and error uh-huh. of trying to figure out. And that's one of the things that I. I really like about DC Fempreneur or a place like Heron mm-hmm. Hub is that you have all these people from all walks of life that have mm-hmm. spent their entire lives gaining knowledge like yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have so many gifts and you've spent your entire life learning. You know, it, it makes a lot more sense to learn from someone else who's 
done it, yeah. then to try I'd to spend the next five years trying to figure it out on your own, you're going to spend a lot of money. And I know it's hard for an entrepreneur to think sometimes, but our time is worth money. And yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times, uh, you know, like I speak sometimes to various coaches mm-hmm. um, and I'll say to them, well, you know, I think I definitely see the value in working with a coach, but I need to get to the point in my business where I'm making enough money to be able to feel like I can hire a coach. And then I'm finding that it's actually backwards, that the way you really almost make money, as like you said, like mm-hmm. finding clients mm-hmm. is by maybe being a little more intentional. And maybe sometimes you have to have that coach to help you get. Well, that. It's, it's called investing your own investment in your business. Yeah. You know, when we talked about investors and that sort of thing, but um, sometimes I think a lot of just women that I've talked to are hesitant to make that investment themselves in their own business. Yeah. And, and I get that, you know, who knows what people's personal financial situations are, circumstances are, but, um, but I hear over and over again, even with a co-working expense, for example, um, whether it's Hera Hub or somewhere else, you know, it's really not an expense. It's an investment in your business because you have a professional workspace. You're probably going to be more productive working there. You're going to feel better when you have a client meeting and you're not trying to, you know, like hide what you're saying from the nosy noodle next door when you're sitting <laughs> in a coffee shop because it's, you know, you might be sharing, you know, confidential information or having a confidential discussion and you don't really want the world to know. And and so, but a lot of people are really hesitant to, to spend two or $300 a month to... And I get that, yeah. but it's thinking of it as an expense and not from the value that you're going to get, I think is, a, is, um, well, isn't it a write-off a, technically? Yes. Yeah, it's technically a write-off. Yes, it is. And, but it's still writing a check. It's yeah. still $300 a month or $200 a month. That's not going in your pocket to pay your bills. It's going somewhere else, but there's a tremendous value in being with a, and connected with a community. Yeah. That uh, and you because you never know when you could get a great referral when you could get that piece of advice that makes a big difference in what you're doing. I mean, we have members that are uh, that partner together on proposals because they they're similar in what they're doing, um, but they both bring different skill sets, and so they can can do a proposal together with a much better yeah, chance I mean, of winning. when you get that client that pays for that yeah. membership right there, that one, yeah. that I one have a, number, a lot of my members that say I've paid, the benefit I've gotten out of joining Hair Hub is paid for my membership over and over and over again. But it really is painful to really think about doing that up front. And you have to be intentional. You can't just join. It's like a gym. You can't just join and not show up yeah. and expect to get benefit. You have to show up. You have to participate. And that's the only way your business is going to be successful is if you show up and participate in your business. I say that too, yeah. that, that um, something like DC Fempreneur mm-hmm. or, or Hera Hub is you're going to get out of it what you put mm-hmm. into it. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I completely agree with and that. I agree that. I agree with anything. Even when you go to a meetup group to do some networking, if you go in and you don't talk to anybody yeah. and t- tell people about your business, then... Or you go to, you know, like a NABO event or something like that. You pay 40 bucks for the luncheon plus plus the dues or whatever it is. And you don't go in and take advantage of the opportunity while it's there. And you just walk out and go, why didn't you meet anybody interesting? I'm like, well, then it's on you. Right. Because then you didn't make an effort, really. Or if it's not, if you didn't meet somebody there that's helpful from an accountability standpoint, then think about not going anymore to that particular thing and, and make an intentional decision that to to stave off the FOMO and just say, you know what, whatever that meetup I attended, that was not the right place for me. But in order for you to know that's not the right place, you have to be intentional in the first place. Agreed. Because you have to know what you're looking for when you go to these things. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, we're kind of going in a lot of different directions, but those are the kinds of things that I, those are the kind of conversations I have with people regularly. And I'm sure you do too, that this is, you know, it's hard, it's challenging. And you're lucky if you can come out of the gate with some contracts up front. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times you don't. And yeah. so you really need to zero in and figure it out and educate yourself on things that you're not familiar with. Yeah. So I think one of the um, one of the last things I want to ask uh-huh. you is so 
you've been open four or five years now? Four years. Four, four years. years um, and so what is like next on your plate? What will be the next investment you make or the next endeavor you'll go for? Do you have an idea of, okay, like you have Hair Hub and it's essentially thriving, it's growing. Mm-hmm. What do you think you'd like to do next? Well, I mean, being as I'm 65, <laughs> I think that this will probably be my, you know, I mean, it'd be great to, to find a way to be able to pass this along when I decide I want to retire, which is going to be a ways from now because I don't feel 65. Um, but for, you know, thinking about Hera Hub and where I want to take Hera Hub next is I really think that the educational component is really important. There are so many women business owners in this area that that are starting or have solo um, businesses that are struggling or want to take it to the next level. And so I'm working, we're working on building an accelerator program, um, you know, that will say, okay, now you've got your company launched, you know, when you go to the next, when you want to go to the next level, what does that look like? And how do you know? Cause I get that question all the time too. How do I know when it's time to bring on somebody? Mm-hmm. Well, there's steps you need to do to prepare yourself to get to that point. And that's one of the other reasons why I'm doing the CFO kind of sessions, because I thought that's a skill set that I have that I, um, that I developed over 30 years yeah. of looking at, service-based businesses and saying, okay, these are the things you need to do to prepare to scale your business and add that next employee or, um, or, you know, or build your pipeline to a point where you can bring somebody on and how do you know how, how to make that happen and that sort of thing. So um, I'm excited about doing that because I think, um, because I get a lot of people that want to come and, but they're not members, yeah, but they want to get advice and that sort of thing. But but I can't just give that away for free. Right. You know, well, and sure. I like, I'm, like I encourage everybody who is out there listening that if you have built your professional career and your knowledge and expertise, um, you know, you have to decide that you're not going to give it away for free anymore. And it doesn't mean that I don't help people. And it doesn't mean that I don't have conversation. But if somebody really wants me to drill down on their individual business, I'm more than happy to do that. But there's a fee associated with that. And so I'm ex- I'm excited about doing that because I think that, that will be a, could be a really big return for somebody just to say I don't need somebody on the regular, but I really want some pointed advice on what my next step. Oh should gosh, be. I I know for me that would be life altering yeah. for me. Yeah. I know that's the kind of um, mentoring and advice that yeah. I need yeah. is is um, looking at some of those financial things and think you know um, reverse en- engineering about. Um, just, you know, you, you, a lot of people are are visionaries, but then less, um, great about implementation. Yeah. And And, yeah. And and I think the thing too is, is this one thing when you go to a class and I think everybody should become educated, Mm -hmm. push outside if you, and that's, you know, and that's the other thing that I, sometimes I get, I won't say frustrated, but I, I laugh because I have people say to me, well, you know, all this business stuff is so new and I'm really unsure. I don't know, whatever. I'm like, oh my God, you have two graduate degrees. Yeah. Okay. You have two master's degrees. <laughs> you have proven that you can learn. This is not rocket science. This is just basic finance and there are tools to help you and you can hire people. Yeah. So get over that because that's an, another hurdle that I think people have when they leave a corporate job or, you know, public sector job, I want to start something new is they're entering that huge unknown territory of that, you know, they may be quantum computing expert, but they don't know how to run a business. Right. But that's okay. Because if you can learn quantum computing, you can also learn how to run your business. Yeah. So we try to take some of the fear out of that, but that's why, um, and not to digress, but anyway, it's, but those are the, just the types of things that I think we just need to remember. And when we're supporting each other as, you know, ecosystem builders and community um, um, supporters that we just encourage each other to say, no, this is, you need to charge for that. You need to support each other. This is, you know. um, Well, I'm really glad that you brought that up because what I really um, was thinking about is how DC Fempreneur can plug into what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we host a variety of events Mm -hmm. 
I, like you said, the education portion, mm-hmm. I agree, is the absolute most important part mm-hmm. of of supporting others. Um, because like yeah. I said, you know, you don't know what you, what you don't know until you need to know it. Um, and so what can we do as uh, a group of, of women who are growing their businesses? I mean, some, a lot of us are in Northern Virginia, like I'm right in Fairfax. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a drive to get here, but, um, a lot of the people that I've spoken to said they're willing to drive, to get to an event where they have an opportunity to learn mm-hmm. from an expert yep. or it's a topic that interests them or they know it's something that they need to learn about in order to yep. grow their business. So how can we work together essentially to collaborate and how can DC Fempreneurs members? Um, well, I'd be, I'd be happy to explore that, you know, I, right off the top of my head, you know, we really have to kind of think about what that might look like, but I think supporting that supporting the community. And I know that there is a, really big community in Northern Virginia of women that are in that space, yeah. you know, that are our, our, you know, our mutual customer. And so, um, and so I'm, you know, I'm excited to, to think that there could be some really great collaboration there because I think, you know, I do know that being here mm-hmm. um, is um, it's, it's hard for people when they're co-working and, or thinking about that and, you know, it's almost like going downtown, you know, you, you really need to be. And so that's why I've always thought expanding to Northern Virginians also is a great thing to do um, yeah. because there's a, a great community and lots of people that I know there that, um, uh, but anyway, um, but the interesting thing when we had our launch program is I had a woman that came from Baltimore I mean, she works here for the federal government, she's launching on the side. She's got a great, she's starting a publishing company, really interesting young woman. Um, and so she just stopped by here on Monday nights on her way home on the oh, train. Yeah. So it's just, you know, so there are ways if somebody, I think, of, I think events are easier than on the regular. So, um, but I, you know, I think it'd be great to kind of explore. Yeah. I mean, I'd love that. Like, I, yeah. I, um, and everybody who's yeah. ever talked to me about what I'm working on, mm-hmm. that I have the same issue and challenge is finding a place mm-hmm. to host an event that is in a location that is convenient for everyone. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and, then it, and it is hard. It doesn't cost you a fortune. Yeah. Because, for example, for members, this small conference room mm-hmm. costs $15 an hour. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. My, my large conference room is 30 bucks an hour for members. Because yeah. we really want, as part of our mission, to really make it affordable for our members to have a professional workspace and places to bring their clients and have meetings and things like that and, or do workshops and seminars and that sort of thing. So that's kind of our, um, our mission, too. So, and I actually have people that just are community members because they just need a space in this area to have meetings, right? You know, so um, they're not necessarily co-working here, but they like to come here and um, and have a meeting, get connected with the community, and that sort of thing. So, um, but I know it's not particularly convenient for everybody all the time. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. Um. Okay. So before we wrap up, I want to be able to tell the listener. Um, I mean, I'll put the links mm-hmm. in the, the episode, but um, tell the listener how they can reach you directly or um, how they can find more information about Hub DC. Yeah. Well, our website is www. I mean, w, yeah. com slash DC. Okay. Since we have multiple locations, mm-hmm. um, uh, that's my actual website. And there's lots of information there about, uh, the launch program, the, our membership programs, our events. We have an events calendar there. They can actually sign up to be added to our email newsletter, which is basically our calendar of events. I don't send a lot of um, other stuff. It's about every three or four weeks and kind of tells you of what's upcoming, which, uh, and we do have a lot of events that are open to the public um, or workshops that uh, someone else is hosting here that and that we put in our newsletter. Um for them. So they're not even members. So uh, there's usually a lot of good information in there and things going on. So that's a great way to see if there's something, especially if you're coming from Northern Virginia, to see if there's something that might be of interest and um, that you don't want to miss out on. That's helpful. So, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I can vouch for you. I'm a, a member of the, I'm a subscriber of your newsletter. <laughs> and yes, I think they're chock full of this is what's coming. Yeah. 
you know, these are the events that are coming up and you can clearly see, yes, the speaker would be interested in yeah, me, yeah, you know, or yeah. this date works for me. And so yeah, I think yeah, it's great yeah. So, yeah. And I'm always at Julia Harahub.com, you know, I'm, I try to um, be responsive on email and, um, and that sort of thing, but i um, happy to have people reach out anytime. Fantastic. Well, thank you again yeah. for taking the time to chat great. with us. And uh, I know I got a ton out of it. If it wasn't noisy, I would have been writing the whole time. <laughs> but um, I'm glad to do it. And, yes. it's been, and it's been really nice to talk with you. So. I appreciate it very yeah. much. Yeah. Thank great. you. Great. Thanks so much.